Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. Well, welcome to the second week of the Holy Spirit, exploring the who, the what, the why, the ministry, the person of the Godhead that we call the Holy Spirit. Uh, We have been talking about this for several weeks now of how this is cross campus. So right now, uh, we have Sunday school and super church from kindergarten all the way through. Uh, Fifth grade is learning about the same topic with the Holy Spirit as us. Wednesday nights, uh, elementary students are learning about it. And then The Rock, uh, the sixth grade all the way through 12th grade is learning about it. On Thursday nights, uh, we have the young adults at the bridge over at The Rock learning about the Holy Spirit. And then uh, on Sunday nights also, there's a teaching over at The Rock at six o'clock uh, that they're teaching through that. So we have multiple uh, touch points, and we feel like it's important to have an accurate and a solid doctrine and theology of who the Holy Spirit is so that we can actually encounter him in a fresh way and in an accurate way as well. I just want to touch uh, base. Actually, just real quick, I want to uh, just share with you, if you are newer to Central, uh, if I ever come on the microphone during worship time and I ask you to consider receiving in your hearts that it's a word from the Lord, what we're called to do is test in our hearts uh, prophetic words, words of knowledge, and so on. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, I'm not going to turn there today, just a reference point for you. Paul talks about a variety of spiritual gifts. One of those is called prophecy, and it's used, uh, it can be used personally, one person to one person. But when Paul's talking about it, he's talking about implementing it in, a, uh, in an actual gathering of believers. And he's actually correcting errors that was happening. And he's putting some guidelines and some, uh, some, you know, some clarity into place. Uh, but what we do here is, you know, you may have been in a church where uh, someone would just kind of shout out from wherever they were, and you might feel like, well, that's, that's more free-flowing and so on. But we fully believe if the Lord implants a word in, inside your heart, and you know that you know that it's from the Lord, we just ask that you come down, talk to one of our elders or myself, and we give you a microphone so everybody can actually hear and actually test that in the heart if that word is for them. And regularly when words are given uh, over the microphone, so I don't, I don't step up here to cause a, a distraction. If you hear my voice, I'm usually just right down here worshiping. I'll hand the mic, I'll stand right next to that person, uh, and then I'll often unpack it with them after they speak as well. But what we want you to do is you, you receive it in, in your heart and you ask, Lord, is this something for me specifically today? What are you trying to say over the church family that I'm a part of? And then you just put, pray that right back to God. We don't ever force something to happen or manipulate something to happen. We just push that back up. But we don't, I don't plan those things. Like people don't you know, write these things out and then come to me. And then this part of the service, this is going to happen. It's something that's spontaneous or like with Jim. Uh, the Lord gave him a dream last night and they came up to me during worship uh, just to confirm that it was for, for today. So I just wanted to kind of uh, camp out on that just for a moment to share what is in operation during that time. Last week, we talked about this word Trinity. The Trinity is not, that word is not used uh, in the Bible, but what we call the Trinity are the three unique, distinct persons uh, of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That word Trinity, uh, like I said, it's not found in the Bible, but it's widely accepted in the Christian faith referring to the Godhead. So we believe there's one true God. Say one true God. Now, he revealed himself as the self-existent, so he, eternal, I am. So he wasn't created, and that's the one thing that, that boggles adults and kids' minds alike, is how he's always been here, and he'll always be here. 
But in this self-existent I am, he reveals himself in three ways, three manifestations, three persons. That's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A lot of times you'll hear a lot, of, a lot about the Father, God, his abode is in heaven, and a lot about the Son, Jesus, who came as God in the flesh. And there's just not tons of teaching on the Holy Spirit. That's why we're spending this entire summer uh, teaching and unpacking that. We talked about how they work in perfect unity last week, how, how the Father loved us so much that he sent his Son to earth, okay? So as Jesus is walking on the earth, he gives his entire life, his entire ministry to reveal the Father. So Jesus comes to earth and he spends his time revealing the Father, pointing people back to the Father, pointing them to the forgiveness, the acceptance, the love, uh, the deliverance, all that of the Father. So what happens is, when people encounter Jesus, then they meet the Father. So Jesus also talks about how when he was ascending, he was going back to be with the Father. So he comes back up to heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. He says that the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit spends his ministry revealing Jesus because Jesus says he's going to teach you all things. He's going to remind you of everything I taught you. He's going to show you the things that I've been showing you. He's going to be with you forever. So we even talked in John 14. I won't go over the actual verses, but 14 a little bit and 15 and 16, how he's called the advocate. Some of your translations say the counselor, the guide, and he's saying he's going to be with you forever. Now, he's not just talking about one person. He's talking about he's going to be with you, plural. So which means Jesus was able to be with a, a, a specific amount of people at one time, right? Like five, 8,000 is probably the most at one time. But he's saying the Holy Spirit is going to be with you and 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 everybody across the world forever. So we were talking about words like uh, last, last week, like he's eternal. That's a characteristic of God and the Holy Spirit. He's omnipresent, because if he could be with you, 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 that means it could be in more than one place at one time. Omnipresent means ever-present, everywhere. He also talks about how he's going to reveal all truth and teach all truth to all of us. So he is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows the thoughts of God. Him and God are in cahoots. They're one. So the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son, they're all God in one self-existent I am. So he's all present. Now Jesus says uh, in John 14 and then into 15 and 16 that he lives with us, but he will soon be living in you. He says he's, li he's living with you, he's around you, but he will be in you. And then in Acts chapter one, it talks about how the Holy Spirit's going to come upon us for the purpose of power. So we talked about that word omnipotent, the all-powerful one. So the Holy Spirit has the same exact divine characteristics as God the Father, as God the Son. So the Father sends the Son. The Son reveals the Father. The Son comes back up to be with the Father. They send the Holy Spirit. In fact, in John 14, 15, 16, Jesus says, the Father is going to send. I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to send you an advocate. And then later on in John chapter 16, he says that the Father is going to give the Holy Spirit, and then, it, then Jesus says, I'm going to send. Well, how can both people send? How can both entities of God send? Remember, they're unified in what they do. So I picture it as an illustration God the Father, Jesus comes, ascends heaven, God the Father hands Jesus the Holy Spirit. Just flow with me now. And, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is the one pouring out the Holy Spirit upon believers. 
So the Holy Spirit is revealing Jesus, revealing Jesus, revealing Jesus. Guess what? We encounter Jesus, and now we come into contact with the Father who forgives all of our sins through the blood of the Son, Jesus. And as we walk in the Spirit, guess who we become more and more like? Jesus, because the Spirit continues to reveal the Son, and the Son continues to reveal the Father. It's three in one called the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit today. So last week we talked about how the Holy Spirit is fully divine, fully God. What I wanna talk about today is the breath of God, how the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. If you look back all the way at creation, if you uh, are looking at a different translation other than the NIV, uh, we're gonna be in that translation today in just I think one verse in the New Living Translation. But if you wanna even turn to uh, Genesis, not Acts, uh, Genesis chapter one, we're gonna look at the first eight verses there. And we'll hop around for some porting texts and then go to a few verses in the New Testament. But I want you to see how the Holy Spirit was present before creation, during creation, and after creation. Because a lot of times if we talk about just the Holy Spirit within us and the Holy Spirit coming upon us, we don't understand how his activity and how his ministry operated even before the beginning of time as we know it. In verse one, very first verse of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Pretty simple. Now this, this phrase, in the beginning, means it's a starting point. Not the starting point for God because God is eternal, right? There's no beginning to God. So he lives outside of space and time, but this word beginning means it's a starting point for this season of, of creating all that existed. Even this phrase, the heavens and the earth, a lot of times we'll think about like heaven, the abode of God, the dwelling place of God and earth, this round thing that we live on. But in the Hebrew sense, when he's talking about in the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth, that phrase heavens and the earth simply means everything that has ever existed, God created that. So we, we usually think of like two specific locations and it's saying all that existed. So in the beginning was a time period in all of eternity that God chose to create all that existed. And when we pick up in verse two, we know that the waters have already been created, right? We're kind of picking up uh, um, already in this process. And we know that the actual sphere of the earth has already been created. And then he's going to add to it because it says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the what? The water. So we know that the earth was, was already created as we pick up in verse two. And we know that the waters were created. The waters were over all of the land. The land was completely uninhabitable. So these words formless and empty, it means it didn't have any rhythm. It didn't have any pattern to it. Uh, you know, the stars weren't flung into space yet and it wasn't, it wasn't flowing as the galaxies do. It says darkness was covering over the entire surface. Well, actually the waters were covering over the surface and then the darkness was covering over, it says the surfaces of the deep. So what was happening is God, we, we were picking up here now in the next verse, God preparing to do the work uh, and creation of everything else that we know. Now I want to look at a couple words here. In verse two, where it says the spirit of God, that word spirit is the Hebrew word ruah. It's R-U-A-H, ruah. And I'm probably not pronouncing that exactly how the theologians would. 
but it's, per, it's translated not just spirit. In other areas of the Bible, that same exact word is translated breath or wind. That's why when we talk about God breathing on us or the wind of the Holy Spirit, look at, look at the day of Pentecost, right? The mighty rushing winds came in. That's the Holy Spirit. Ru'ah is translated spirit. The, that exact same word is breath and wind. That word El, uh, God is translated Elohim. You may have word that, heard that word before. It's one true God. Elohim means one true God. There's no multiple meanings for this. But when you put those together, the spirit of God is the breath of God, the wind of God, the very spirit of God himself on this earth. Now that word, we, when we hear spirit, we all, something you know, pops into our mind. In the Hebrew sense, when you're looking at this word ruah, they're thinking, they're not, they're not thinking of like a, a, an entity that flies around like with wings on or anything. It's basically how it can be translated the best is the invisibleness of God. So think about that. Anything that God does on this earth, of course, you can't see him doing the work, right? Talks about the Holy Spirit being like a wind going to and fro as he pleases. But as God was working on this earth, anytime that they can actually now begin to see the work of God, that's what they're referring to now is the, the invisibleness of God is doing something and we see the result of it on this earth. They're attributing that work to the spirit of God. So what was the spirit of God doing at the beginning of time as we know it? He was hovering over the surface of the deep, it says. And that word hovering in two other places in scripture is talking about how an animal covers and protects its young. So if you start to look at this and study this out, the Holy Spirit was protecting what God had already created but didn't put into order yet. The Holy Spirit was preserving everything that God had protected and the Holy Spirit was about to do the work of creating also. In verse three, it says this, and God said, let there be light. And guess what happened? There was light. Seems pretty simple to us, right? We've read this a thousand times, Pastor Kurt. Verse four says, God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, the darkness night. I won't read all this, just a few verses. And there was evening and there was morning the first day, day two. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate the water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so, it actually happened. And God called the vault sky. So if you can picture, if you can picture the sphere of the earth with water everywhere, it says empty and void. Some of yours say formless, some of it's called in chaos. So God creates us but doesn't put it in order yet. So we have the, the earth, the globe, and we have water everywhere, off and on to the surfaces, uh, completely over all of the land. And now God separates the waters and creates the sky in the middle, which we would refer to as the first heaven, the atmosphere right above us. Um, so what happens then, and now there's water over the entire earth and water in that part of the atmosphere with the sky in between. We're not gonna go over uh, all the other uh, 
portions of creation, but if you follow it out in verse 9, 10, 11, and so on, it continues to say, God said, and then God called something by name. And then God said, and then he said it again, and then he made something. And it continues to say, God said, and then he created. But if we follow what was happening here, as God spoke, things like light or the sky, the plants and the animals, they were all being created. So God spoke things into existence. I need you to catch this. God could have used his hands. He could have said, uh, God reached down from the heavens and you know, with his hands, he began to create this. Or he could have said, God took his tools out and began to make the mountains of the earth. But for whatever reason, God chose to use his voice and his words to create everything. And it reminded me as I was preparing this message of Declare this past January, we talked about the importance of our words. And though we are not divine and we don't have the ability to create something into existence, we talked about when we speak blessing and encouragement over ourselves or other people, that will become a reality in their life. And if we speak condemnation and things like that over ourselves, we will actually eventually see that as a reality because we'll be empowering the enemy. So one, we're speaking in faith, which in faith empowers the Lord in our life. He doesn't need empowered. It empowers him, though, in our actual heart. We're opening our heart for him to move. And when we speak condemnation and we speak negativity, we're actually inviting the enemy to come in to create that reality. So from the beginning of time, God chose to use his words. So how does this actually happen? Did you ever think about this? How did creation actually occur as God was speaking. God spoke and then he named something. He spoke and it was created. When it was coming forth from God's mouth, what is coming forth from someone's mouth as they speak? Breath. So as God is saying, let there be light, the Holy Spirit who is hovering, who now, remember, is omnipresent, so he's everywhere. The Holy Spirit is hovering over the surface of the deep. He's hovering over the waters. And God says, let there be light. And as those words come forth, that is the Holy Spirit doing the creating. So the Spirit of God is coming forth from the mouth of God as the breath of God, creating every single thing that we see on this earth today. Like if you can picture, I tried imagining, uh, trying to picture when God would speak, let there be light or let every seed producing plant sprout forth, you know, whatever, however your translation says it. But if you could picture his actual words as like three-dimensional blocks of letters and words coming out of his mouth and the Holy Spirit just riding on the top of those words and just having a blast together in creation. So every single thing that, was, that, that God was speaking, the Holy Spirit was the one doing the work. So the Holy Spirit takes all this water as he talks about this, he wants the expanse. Holy Spirit pushes the water up into the sky, pushes the rest of the water back down, and now it's in order. And then when God says, let there be a great light and a, and a weaker light, and one would be called for the day and one would be called for the, I mean, the Holy Spirit is the one, I have no clue how he does it, but he's the one that takes and boom, and now we have the sun, boom, now we have the moon. And I love how it says, and he made the stars. Like, oh yeah, and just aside from that, all the other thousands of galaxies that are out there that will never even get to see because of the limitations of man, he made those two. Oh, and he made it like read your Bible. And he made the stars. Like you could have spent a few more verses on that, Moses. You think about this. Like 
every plant that exists, every animal that exists, the Holy Spirit created that at the voice command of God. Every plant, every mineral, everything that we see, everything that we'll ever experience. My kids and I have had, have had conversations before, like does God continue to create new things? Like you'll hear uh, uh, scientists say, or, or people that are you know, diving deep in the waters, that they found a new rock, a new formation, a new, uh, uh, a new yeah, creature under the sea. I believe he did all that while he was creating. And it's just us getting to explore the vastness of what his Holy Spirit did. And we'll never, ever, ever come close to, to seeing it all. What I want you to see here is the Holy Spirit, as he was hovering, as he was doing the work, he was providing four simple things. Not simple. He was providing four ministries, actions, behaviors that he still does today. First, he was in preservation. He, he had, there was preservation happening. So what God had already created, the Holy Spirit was holding it together right? The Spirit of God holds this creation together. If the Spirit of God, if God would remove his hand, remove his breath from the earth, this whole thing would fall apart. The scientists can study it all they want and try to figure out gravity and everything else. It's the Spirit of God that holds this all together. But before he created everything and the waters were over the earth, there was preservation. There was also protection, not allowing Satan to come and ruin things. Remember, Satan had to come and ruin things through the obedience of another man. But Satan was not permitted to do it himself. There was also preparation. He was hovering by preparing the waters, preparing for what God wanted to create. And then there was also production. God was, all, was producing everything on this earth through his breath, through the spoken word, who was and still is the Holy Spirit. I want you to know, God is still in that same business. The Holy Spirit is still in that same business. He still wants to preserve what he's doing in your life. What he's already done in your life, he doesn't want you to do life like this, two steps forward, three steps back. He wants you to take two steps forward and preserve what he's done. And take two more steps forward and preserve what he's done. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The Holy Spirit's still in the business of protection protecting us against the evil one. So even when calamity comes and strife comes and tragedy comes, we can still be protected from that temptation to take two or three steps back, right? He's still doing all of those things. He's still producing things in your life as well as the Lord wills it for our personal lives. So let's move on here. Jeremy, you can come up now. I'm gonna borrow you for a second. It says, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. Go ahead and lay down there, buddy. <clears throat> no, I'm not gonna do it. I was gonna pour it all over you. I'm not going to, no. We, we have to catch this. Anytime you get bored with God, right? Oh, my is boring to go to church once a week. You're missing something. You're, you're missing the intricacies of what God actually did here. You're missing how amazing he is and what a privilege it is that we actually have this like self-contained system that actually lives and breathes because of the spirit of God. So he takes the dust of the earth. I will not pour this on Jerry. <laughs> I do have my own opinions about what the dust looked like before the fall, but we're gonna use dirt as an illustration. So he actually took this. I, 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 I can only imagine how he, how he would have taken 
just, just came down, again, through, through the Spirit of God working, came down and took this dust of the ground. And somehow, over a few seconds or minutes or hours, I don't, I don't have a clue how long it would have taken, but that we would have this, this, this human being, well, actually not human being, we would have the form and the flesh of a person here. So from the dust of the ground, do you ever think about why we have zinc and gold and silver and iron in our body? Did you ever think about that? That's where you're from. You're from the ground. We're from the dust. That's why we return to the dust. We come from the dust, we'll return to the dust. So it says here, he formed man from the dust of the ground, but then something had to happen. So we would have had, we would have had just this form. And, no, 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 no. Well, you're not alive yet. You're not alive yet. No, 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 no. So we have this. No, 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 no. I'm going to let your arm go up like this, and then it's going to fall. Good, because you're not alive yet. Okay. Then we're going to go up like this, and then it's going to fall. Okay, so yeah, it's just, I didn't give him any prompting of what I would be doing, so this is all. So we would, you just have your bones, your ligaments, your muscles, everything that a human being would be contained in their body except for life. Okay? And what happens here, it says that God breathed into his nostrils. Don't worry, I know CPR. <laughs> he, his eyes are closed. He has no clue what's happening right now. But it said God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, right? Is it up there on the verse? And the man became a living being. So God goes, good job. Yeah, that's awesome. You can stand up. Give Jeremy a round of applause. So God breathes the breath of life and it says man becomes a living being. So he has his heart, he has all the blood that he needs, right? Every, his brain, all this stuff, it's all in place. But it took the breath of God. Oh, wait a minute. What's the breath of God? The Holy Spirit. So he breathes. Now he's not, he's not breathing the Holy Spirit into him. He's breathing the breath of life. Because Adam's not like born again in a sense yet. He doesn't have the Holy Spirit living in him. So don't, don't confuse that. But he goes, and as he breathes, the Holy Spirit is coming and something happens where, and the blood starts to flow. And now our heart works and our blood flows and our brain works and Adam wakes up and he's like, where am I? I don't even know how we would know like who he is and I don't, I don't, I don't understand it all. But it's the breath of God that brought life to person, to man. The very first human being to ever create this system as we have it today. That's the Holy Spirit that lives in you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. It's amazing when you just take time to think about it. I just wanna give you some supporting verses here. You can write them down. Like I said last week, every week, the following Sunday, we'll have a review uh, with the verses in your, uh, in your handout like you do today. In Psalm 33, six, it says this, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. You know what that word breath there is? Ru'ah, R-U-A-H. The same exact word as the word spirit of God hovering over the waters, the surface of the deep. So by he is by the breath of God, by the spirit, by the breath of his mouth. Psalm 104, 29 says, when you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, 
They are created and you renew the face of the ground. Guess what? The word breath there and the word spirit are both ruha. So when you remove your breath, when you take away their breath, their spirit, they return to the dust. But it says when you send your spirit, when you breathe on something, they are created and renew the face of the ground. Job 27.3 says, as long as I have life within me, the breath of God is in my nostrils. And Job 33.4 says, the spirit of God, again, the word ruha, the breath, the wind, the spirit of God has made me. The breath of the almighty gives me life. I won't even try to explain the complexities of this last verse. I wanna share as a supporting verse, but in Ezekiel 37, starting at verse four, God was giving Ezekiel a vision about the restoration of Israel. I'll just leave it there. This is the vision that God's talking about in restoring his people. It says, then God said to me, Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear what? Don't watch the activity. Hear the word of the Lord. Because when the word was speaking, the spirit was moving and was about to create something. So this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. You know what that word is? Ruah. I will make breath enter you. Or in another sense, I will make spirit enter you. And you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath, ruha, in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Listen, every time there's like a dead situation in your life, an area that you want to see the hand of God and the favor of God, the blessing of God. We don't always see breakthrough, but this isn't, this isn't our job. Our job is to ask the Father to breathe on that, right? When we say, God bless us, God's presence come, Jesus come, all those things, what you're doing, when God speaks a prophetic word of you, when God speaks to your heart through his word, that is the Holy Spirit. Right, so you read a verse. I was just reading a verse on water baptism. I'm so excited about water baptism this, uh, in just in two weeks and just to allow the Holy Spirit to move. And you're reading like, oh, I never saw that before. That revelation, we call it a spirit of revelation. That's the Holy Spirit. It's God speaking through his written word, a living and active word. So the Holy Spirit comes through the voice of God or through the word of God. So I'm encouraged this week, if there's a situation that you need to see the Lord move in, you ask him to breathe on that. God, speak over this. Breathe on me. Mighty breath of God, come. That's the Holy Spirit at work. I wanna take just a few minutes to talk about the, the New Testament. Then we, I wanna spend some time just seeking the Lord uh, together as a church family. So in the New Testament, Jesus dies on the cross. He's, he lay in the tomb for three days. And on that Sunday morning, something happened to Jesus that caused him to come alive, right? A miracle took place within his body that allowed him to function again. In Romans 8, 11, it says this. This is the, the New Living Translation. I like how, how it words it clearly. It says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now, this is, this is a revelation about, about believers and the Spirit living in you. But let's just take a look at the first part of that sentence. The Spirit of God who raised Christ or who raised Jesus from the dead, okay? Now, if you go to that next sentence, it says, and just as God 
raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he's going to give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. So it says in the second, ver- in the second sentence, God raised Jesus from the dead. What's the first sentence say? The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. How did God raise Jesus from the dead? Through the Holy Spirit. So at some time, Jesus, just like Jeremy was saying, Jesus, his body, though his spirit, his soul didn't go anywhere, right? He's still alive and well, but his body lay there dead. The same thing happens. It's by that same Holy Spirit, that breath of life that came in to Adam the first time. It's that same Holy Spirit that... Once again, that Sunday morning, Jesus' heart starts beating and he gets up and he goes to minister for several weeks before ascending back to the Father. Now that word here, oh yeah, let me, let me move on. on. Later on that evening, so it's the same day that the Holy Spirit raises Jesus back to physical life. That same evening, now that same day in the evening, he goes and he visits his disciples in John chapter 20. I won't read the whole conversation. It says in verse 21, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. This should start to make a little bit more sense now from Adam to Jesus' resurrection to now. It says, Jesus, and it says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What I love about this verse, and I think we're going to get there in maybe two or three weeks, is if you, if you study this out, the article the is in very, very few translations and not any of the early translations. So he's not saying receive this outside entity, receive the Holy Spirit. He's saying receive Holy Spirit. And if you're catching what I'm saying, this is personal now. Receive Holy Spirit. You know him. He already taught that in, in a couple chapters early in John 14, 15, and 16. You know him because I've been teaching you about him, but the world doesn't know him. Remember we saying this. He lives with you, but he will be in you. That's what's happening here. He's saying, receive the Holy Spirit. <sighs> this word breathe, is the, this is the only time this word is found in the New Testament. You know what the Hebrew translation of this Greek word is? The same thing we see in Genesis, the spirit of God, the breath of God. So when he breathes on them, follow this out. God breathed into man the breath of life that allowed us to become human life. And then God's son breathed again the breath of life. But this time it allowed us to be born again with eternal life. So what Jesus was doing here, he was recreating what sin had ruined in the garden. He was saying, we gave you, listen, we, God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we gave you human life, but now I'm giving you spiritual life. And they have the Holy Spirit in them, but then remember, he's talking now, but don't leave Jerusalem. He begins to teach, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And now we see this tri-dimensional ministry of the Holy Spirit living with us, in us, and also upon us. So when I think about how, what does this have to do with us today? It's this. I think every single one of us could say, there's at least one situation in my life that I need God to breathe upon. Adam, you can actually come up at this time, wherever you are. And I just want to spend these closing moments focused on God, because what we see is this. God was the one doing the 
breathing. And then Jesus breathed and said, receive Holy Spirit. Who sent the Holy Spirit? The Father, right? And then later on in Acts, we see Holy Spirit being poured out by Jesus, which we'll get into. But I want you guys to stand at this time. And I do, whether you come to the altar or whether you actually just sit back down, whether you kneel, whether you come forward and lay down or whether you just stay where you are, that doesn't matter to me. What I want us to do is just spend a short period of time before we leave. You know, you can do this. This is just an example of what you can do every day of your life, right? He doesn't just have to move right here. But I, I would like us to just spend a short period of time with our church family just asking God to breathe on us. And when he does that, when we walk in faith, maybe we won't see the results today. Maybe it'll be like those seeds that just began to sprout. How many of you know that if you watch creation, it's not like everything was just fully mature, right? Things start in a, sprout, in, in a seed form and then begin to sprout and then begin to grow. But I believe that we can just ask the Father to breathe on us. Just breathe on us and know that as he begins, even if you might even just feel him physically, you might just begin to feel that light sensation upon your body. That's the presence of God in the form of Holy Spirit. That's the Spirit of God beginning to move upon you. So again, you can come forward. We're just gonna sing a song. We're gonna spend just a short time in prayer. You're more than welcome to come forward. You can stay there, whatever you'd like to do. I will say this. If the altar team or whatever, I know that there's prophetic acts sometimes where people breathe and, you know, for the Holy Spirit, we're not going to do that today. If, if somebody comes and prays with you, tell them specifically that situation that you want God to breathe upon and we'll partner with you. Mighty breath. 
falling down Light of heaven all around And it's falling to the
I feel like the Lord just wants to address uh, one area. I don't have clarity. Hopefully this makes sense to a few of you. I feel like the Lord wants to minister to several of you, not just one person, but several of you that feel like uh, someone that has been specifically on your right side in a lot of life. I don't know if that means like he was your right-hand man or your right-hand woman, or they actually used to sit next to you at a kitchen table, something. I'm, I'm strongly sensing right side of my body and relationship that the Lord either wants to breathe life into that relationship, or if they're not here, breathe life into you. If there's either unforgiveness, sadness, something. So you don't have to like wonder, like try to figure it out. It either makes sense to you at this point or it doesn't. It'd be somebody that was your right-hand man, your right-hand woman, or physically used to sit at your right side and you know they are no longer there. So if this doesn't make sense to you, pray with me now. Father, we just come to you. Actually, you know what? Can you just raise your hand if that makes sense to you? I mean, I, I need that. I need to like know that from a, okay. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, faith just rose in the room. Please for me. Okay. All right. Let's pray now. <laughs> Father, wow. Oh, Holy Spirit, we do. Father, we ask you, we ask you, Father, to blow upon the people, breathe upon the people that just raised their hand across this area. Father, whatever this loss was or whatever the tension is, whatever the, whatever the loved one is, if they've passed away, we pray for healing in the hearts. We pray for forgiveness to flow. We pray for resolution and conclusion and closure. And Father, if they are still alive and this person's no longer with them for whatever reason, we trust that if you spoke something that specific that resonates with hearts, that you want to do something even right now. So we put our faith in you. We can't make this up. We can't conjure this up. We can't force a thing to happen. We rest in you and we ask you, God, to blow. Mighty breath of God, blow in each one of these situations. Allow your Holy Spirit to come and invade the relationship, invade the hearts of those who might feel broken off or lonely or separated or hurting or abused, whatever it is, Lord. Father, we know, God, there, there's, there's strength in the right hand of God. Your arm is not too short to save. It is mighty to save. Father, we know the right hand of the Lord will step in and do what only you can do. So Father, today, June 10th, 2018, we pray for resolution and restoration in this. If it has to be in their hearts that raise their hand or the heart of a loved one who's far, we pray, God, for restoration and resolution in Jesus' mighty name. Father, for anyone else who connected with you over these last few moments and they're just looking at you as their heavenly Father and they're just saying, breathe, breathe down on me. Move through your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray, God, that you would do the work that only you can do. Allow our faith to rise. Allow this to be able to happen tomorrow morning and this evening and all throughout our week. Father, we ask for your blessing and your favor to flow with us now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen, amen. Yeah. Hey, be blessed as you go. We do want to give opportunity to pray for healing or anything else that might be in your life. So 
If you do, I'll just ask the altar team to come forward for a few moments. Don't leave if you have a need for prayer. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.